We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media including our Patreon account where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and with me as always is my co-host Jason. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Steven. I've had a pretty enjoyable day. Um, Nothing really going on though, so you know, just another day in the Central Valley, man. Yeah, we're about to hit another heat wave here in a minute, so gotta gotta do some things to stay cool, but we do have a very fun episode for you guys today. We're going to touch on the news that has come out over the last couple of days about, you know, hard knocks and, of course, the Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick news. And then I was joined by some of the Charge fans over in London and Ireland and had a fun chat with them about some good things about how they became Chargers fans and uh, just their general thoughts on the on the Chargers franchise right now. So we'll get started with the hard knocks news that came out today. It was officially announced that the Chargers and the Rams. Uh, are going to be sharing the Hard Knocks this season. I was surprised, honestly, that the NFL decided to go through with Hard Knocks. I thought maybe with the coronavirus stuff that maybe they would uh, decide to postpone this season. Uh, Jason, any thoughts on the Chargers getting on Hard Knocks? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares, man? I've never watched Hard Knocks. I don't care. Like, I don't know. Maybe you're there's an obsession with Hard Knocks to the extent like people love 
I don't know. I love football a lot, right? And, you know, to the point where I spent way too many hours documenting all the draft prospects last year. Uh, way too many. Way too many hours. And I have no interest in watching Hard Knocks, right? I guess, I mean, the Chargers already had their own version of it. So what's the problem with getting HBO's input? It's just going to be higher quality, whatever. But um, I know coaches and players and uh, GMs alike don't really care for Hard Knocks because it's just a distraction, right? It's just a distraction during training camp or whatever. And I feel like every time they've done a Hard Knocks on somebody, that team has sucked. So, like, they just did it on the Browns, right? And the Browns were supposed they to be They did the Raiders hyped. and then the Browns before that and then the Rams before that. The Rams are garbage. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I really don't care. It's like whatever either way. I'll watch it because it's the Chargers. Sure. But um, it's like it's not that special. What what about it? Yeah. Like, you get to see inside the preseason. Oh, yay. We get to see Easton stick cut or whatever. Hooray. <laughs> I don't spoiler alert for a future topic. <laughs> um, I personally, I love hard knocks. Uh, you know, I like watching it. And, and I think my favorite thing about hard knocks is you get to know like the, the really low key undrafted free agents or late round picks. And, you know, I think if hard knocks had been around when Austin Eckler was an undrafted free agent, I think that would have been an awesome feature for, for HBO to look into. You know what, Steven, I think you just changed my mind. I think, okay, I'm about it. Never mind. I care. <laughs> yes, I care. Let's go. I want to see. I want to see these guys. I want to see Bobby Holly. I do. Yeah. So yeah. the way you put it, if we got to see Austin Eckler, that would have been awesome. I want to see Bobby Holly. I want to see Jesse Lemonier. I want to see Gaziano. Like I want to see these guys. Never mind. I'm, I'm with you. Let's go. Hard knocks. Let's go. I I will say I think a lot of HP. I think a lot of the the process of hard knocks, like you mentioned, is a bit of a distraction. And like last year with the Raiders, I think honestly. If the Raiders were not on hard knocks, I think Antonio Brown finishes the season as a Raider. I think so much of what happened last year there, this is just a conspiracy theory, but I think he was so focused on like the cameras that he wanted to put on a show. And so that's why he decided to do what he did. So maybe, I don't know. That's just a little conspiracy theory for you guys. Maybe. Um, but who knows? We'll, we'll see. But the other news that came out is that Anthony Lynn during his press conference uh, did say that he has Colin Kaepernick on a workout list. Now, the, when I first read this tweet, I thought that he was considering bringing Colin Kaepernick in for a workout, but I guess it's more of like if Tyrod or Easton Stick or Justin Herbert get injured in camp, then they would bring him in as more of like a break class in case of emergency type situation. Uh, Jason, any thoughts on bringing Colin Kaepernick in for a workout and, and that whole situation? Who cares? <laughs> going back to that. Um, so cynical today. You know what it is? It's just flowery bullcrap. Yeah. It really is. And I'm sorry. Maybe people out there are really excited for it. I was personally excited for it when I thought they were 100% bringing him for a workout for three reasons. Um, you know, I'll eliminate the third reason. Let's just go with two reasons. Reason number one, I think he'd be a great backup quarterback. 100%. I still think he would be an okay starting quarterback. Like, at the, at the very least, I think he would be okay. And that's yeah. like, there's no harm in that. Uh, the only reason I say okay at, at this point, and maybe not even okay, maybe worse, is because he hasn't played in a while. And, you know, we haven't really seen a quarterback that comes in after four years of being on a hiatus and then play. I don't 
think that's ever happened that I know of, maybe. Um, I mean, obviously, you have, like, Matt Hasselbeck, who didn't play for forever, and then all of a sudden reappeared on the Colts or whatever. Um, But I just, I think it's just flowery bullcrap. Because he's not actually bringing him in for a workout. He said, well, maybe one day, if somebody dies. Perhaps. Maybe one day in the future. If if Teron Taylor and Justin Herbert both get the coronavirus, we'll consider it, is basically what I got from that. Yeah. You know, if if Sam Darnold was a Charger and got mono, we'll bring him in. Uh, Okay. (laughs) And it's just flowery bullcrap. But anyways, going back to my second reason why I would have liked it, it gets you a following. It does. One stance. Right. And I don't mean this to be like, excuse my language, but a dick about this. But if I'm running the team, I'm picking one side or the other. I'm either going screw Kaepernick or I'm signing him and going, we support Kaepernick. And not for the reason of supporting him or saying whatever we don't not want. Not political him. support. Political support. I like I I'm sorry, but if I'm running a team, it's the smart move to do. Pick a side and get more people. You're gonna lose some. But the NFL fan base is so small compared to the United States in general. Right? There was somebody I saw on Twitter earlier who posted that Twitter actually only has 10 million active users. Dude, there are over 300 million people in the United States. All right? And it might seem like Twitter is the world sometimes, but it's not. So if you lose some of your NFL fan base for saying something like, oh, I hate Kaepernick or, oh, we love Kaepernick and we support him when he's here, you take a stance, you're going to bring people who aren't football fans to the team. Right? And so I don't understand this 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 flowery bullcrap, Stephen. I don't understand <laughs> it. And I'm going to keep going back to this because it is bullcrap. How they just said, oh, we maybe someday we'll work them out, is what Anthony Lynn said. Dude, if Anthony Lynn cared, if he cared, and they weren't doing this for PR, they would sign him. They'd at least work him out. What do yeah. you mean they've had no con- we yeah, we'll work them out. We've had no contact with them, though. Like, what the hell? What do you mean? It's just flowery bullcrap. That's my honest yeah, opinion that's... on it. And, you know, they're free to prove me wrong. They're free to actually show uh, some minor bit of caring. But, to pick a side. Don't beat around the bush. That's what they're doing. They're beating around the bush. Right? And it's it's because up to this point, Anthony Lynn has been so so, like, he's been at the protests, right? Some Chargers players have been at the protests. So if if you're in full support, why not sign Kaepernick? Right? And I'll tell you why. It's because they don't think he can play football anymore. Which is the which is the topic everybody wants to avoid. Right? Right. You you just right. you just heard me get the most political that I'll ever be on the podcast. But let it be known that I just think it's all flowery bullcrap. Pick a side. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it when like I said, when I first saw the first tweet, I was like, "Oh wow, they're gonna bring Colin Kaepernick in for a workout! Like that's awesome." To me, it makes a lot of sense to at least see what he can do. Absolutely, it gets you one. It it's a cool thing to do. It gets you the publicity, right? Is another thing. Three, you might be getting a really good quarterback in a backup role, right? Okay, and so, like, where's the downside here to working him out? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I know you had this discussion with a couple people, just like the value of the bag of quarterbacks. Like, hypothetically speaking, let's say the Chargers sign Colin Kaepernick. And in the first preseason game, they're like, you know what, Tyrod Taylor, we're good with you for now. Like, we know you're going to be the starter. Like, we want you to get some rest. And they start Colin Kaepernick. And Colin Kaepernick balls out. The Chargers, the Chargers would be getting so many calls about Colin Kaepernick that they could fetch a great, great trade return. Three things happen there. Say you sign Colin Kaepernick. You start him in the third preseason game. He balls out. You get calls. One, you were the first team to sign Colin Kaepernick. You realize how, you realize how much fan base the Chargers would receive in Los Angeles if they signed Colin Kaepernick. If they were the team to say, screw it, we're doing it. That would be awesome, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. That would be awesome. 100%. Secondly, you know, he balls out. You have a very capable backup. You can keep him around if you want, right? You keep him around to suitor Justin Herbert for the next couple of years, whatever. Three, you can trade him. Teams are on the, as you said, teams are on the phone already. They're, they're like, yo, we saw, Ka- we saw Kaepernick ball. Like, what, what do you want for him? You know, what did the Chargers give him? A year, one-year contract for, what, $5 million maybe? $7 million, the same as, as Terod Taylor? Maybe? Do it. What, can, what pick can you get out of him? At worst, like a fifth if he balls out really well? Come on, man. I mean, there's yeah. no downside to it, in my opinion. Other, like, I can't see one. People will get over it if they hate it that much. They'll get over it. Who cares? Yeah. And to your point, like, I think... Obviously, there are a lot of people in Los Angeles that like football that maybe they haven't, you know, sat down and really chosen the Rams or Chargers. But if the Chargers sign Colin Kaepernick, that would sway a large, large portion of the city who are undecided fans in their favor. Right. And so for me, like, worst case scenario is you bring him in for a workout and he's just not that good anymore. He's rusty because he hasn't played football in four years. Right. And that's fine. But then you get the positive PR, like you mentioned, of hey, you know what, we were the first team to really give Colin Kaepernick a shot. And I think that, that that's an interesting discussion, and yeah, I'm all for it. You know, If they bring him in, if they sign him, I'm all for it. I know there are a lot of people out there who are saying that he's a quote-unquote distraction or whatever, but you know, you got to roll with the times. And you know, I'm firmly anti-racism, and I'm, I'm embracing this movement of change that's happening in this world right now. And so for me, like, sign Colin Kaepernick, that's fine. I can't imagine that he's going to demand a big contract. I mean, maybe I, he I would, but, but he hasn't played football in four years. So, like, I think if he wants to play football, if he's serious about it, and the Chargers were the only ones offering him a contract, I have to assume that he would take that. Right. Even if it's a 3 or $4 million deal. Like, at the end of the day, if he loves football and still wants to play and still wants to pursue his career, then he's going to do whatever he has to do to, to make it happen. Absolutely. So, you know, that that's... I don't think this is a political discussion, honestly. I think, you know, this is just a football discussion, and we're just kind of weighing the risk and outside, but hopefully that didn't... Oh, I'm sure people you know. will get mad. Yeah, but, con- Continuing uh, my trend, who cares? <laughs> Today's the day of who cares. Today so, is the day. Moving on to that kind of elephant in the room in, in, in talking about Colin Kaepernick is if they sign Colin Kaepernick, like what happens with the beloved fan favorite Easton Stick? Well, it's obvious. He moves the safety. <laughs> right? Which, yeah, apparently people don't know this, but you know, we've said this a couple of times, but the team had him taking reps at safety after Adrian Phillips went down. Yeah. And so to me, like, 
if you think there's any kind of chance that this guy is a franchise quarterback, you're not playing him at safety. Here's the thing. Like, it's not happening. There was never that chance. Never. Right. Ever, never, never, ever. And I get tired of people trying to tell me that he's the future. The ch- or the future Chargers backup or whatever. just did take Justin Herbert at six. I hope we all realize this. Um, you don't... <laughs> I love it. 2021 headline, Easton Stick versus Justin Herbert. Who wins? I love (laughs) it. Let's get there. Uh, Print it now. But I don't understand. I just don't. No. I I know people were like, oh, he was the guy who took over for Carson Wentz in North Dakota State. Like he finished what Wentz started and took him to a championship or whatever. Like that's fine. To me, what has made most sense in terms of Easton Stick's future is to use him as a gadget player. 100%. If you get anything out of him, right? Now, I, I'm a little bit more... I'm a little bit more understanding of he is a developmental backup. And right. Daniel Popper has mentioned this so many times. He was never drafted to start. He may not have even been drafted with the expectation of a backup. But if you see... And I'm a firm believer in this. This, These are my words at this point on, not Daniel Popper's. I am a firm believer that you have a quarterback you like in a draft, you take him. 100%. I don't care if Tom Brady is your quarterback. I don't care if it's Peyton Manning. I don't care if it's prime Michael Vick. I don't care who it is. I don't care if you have Patrick Mahomes on your team right now. If you have a quarterback that you like, that you see upside in, in the mid-rounds, even in the early rounds. If you think he is a franchise guy, you think he has the it factor, you think he is it, the guy, right? You see Easton Stick or a Gardner Minshew, somebody you think is the guy. You draft him, right? The Jaguars, and everybody forgets this, they gave Nick Foles a quarterback contract that was like, you're our franchise guy. Yeah, right. It was huge money. Immediately, money. immediately, they had Gardner Minshew on the roster. Right, and it's like it doesn't matter if you have guys on your roster. It's like, well, that move doesn't make any sense. They have Justin Herbert and Teron Taylor. Why would they? Why would they take a quarterback? They have Easton Stick on the roster. Why? Why would they? Why would they want Kaepernick? Listen, if you have a quarterback that you feel good about, you think he can be it, you take him, and not to start him. Not not for the reason you think. Not because you want to make it a camp battle between Justin Herbert and Trey Lance or whatever. Um, or not because you want Jordan Love to be the quarterback over Aaron Rodgers. Not because you think he can replace Aaron Rodgers right now. But what if, right? What if, what if that guy becomes it? Okay? Gives you leverage. What if Aaron Rodgers wants top money? And you're just like, we got Jordan Love right here. On a rookie deal. Right. You want an extension? You're not going to ask for an extension. We got Jordan Love here. You're just going to wait out your contract and leave. And then we have a guy we believe in, right? And it, even more than that, they have Trey Bate. Not so much in the first round when you take Jordan Love at pick 31 or whatever they took him at. Not quite there. I think it was not 31. I think it was like 27 or something. But I think it was 27. But... You, you get what I mean. Like, you then have a guy that you could trade in the future. You have a guy with, like, trade ammo. You have uh, a guy who can push your starter. 
you have a guy that is an extra brain in the in the locker room, in the meeting room. You have a guy that can be your future if things don't work out um, in negotiations. There is no point because there is so much value in taking a quarterback. There is so much value there. If you have a question on whether or not this player has valuable, turn the page and look at your quarterbacks on the board. And if you have one that you think he's even maybe an it guy, then you get an it factor, you take him. Because there's no more yeah. better, there's no better fo- value on the football field at all, and that value will show in the future whether he's playing, whether he's in the locker room, or whether he's being traded. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 100 percent with you there, and I think you know everybody's going to point to the Patriots in this kind of example because they've made such a killing out of trading guys like Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett and things like that. Brian Hoyer's been traded a couple times for them, but then you look at Andy Reid and what he's done. You know, right. He had Donovan McNabb and Michael Vick on the roster and still drafted Kevin Cobb and then traded Kevin Cobb for a second round pick. So if you're in the camp, you know, it takes a certain franchise and a certain coach and longevity to be able to do these kind of things. You know, we're seeing this with Doug Peterson in in Philadelphia right now as he drafted Jalen Hurts. You know, if you're a team that can really develop quarterbacks, then why not do it every couple of years and you know, worse, if push comes to shove, then you can just trade these guys away and get some good value for them. So I think those are excellent points. And I think you know, this is kind of something that I wish the Chargers had done more often with Philip Rivers is because, you know, they're sure Geno Smith is fine and, and Kellen Clemens is fine. Like those are good, capable backups. But you know, I think there's something to show for, hey, we drafted this guy in the sixth round. We're developing him. This is happening. And the Steelers have done this pretty well under Big Ben, you know, they, they've drafted a couple of guys very frequently, you know, they had Josh Dobbs who they traded away to Jacksonville. So that's just something that I kind of wish the Chargers would, would have done more often with Phil Rivers. And, you know, once they extend Justin Herbert, well, hopefully everything pans out and Justin Herbert develops and they give him an extension. Then I think the smart move there is to draft quarterbacks every couple of years and, you know, getting some trade value that way. Hey guys, want to take a moment to tell you about Buzzsprout. I know that if you're a podcast junkie like I am, you probably have thought about starting your own podcast before. I know that can be a little daunting, but if you have the right help, it's not that hard. And Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. We've been using Buzzsprout since day one and could not recommend it enough. So if you're interested and you have that itch to start a podcast, make sure and follow the link in our show notes. And Buzzsprout will be able to help you and guide you along the way. Now, let's get back to the show. Steven, and we do have a special treat today. Joining me today is Andrew Kaneen from Ireland, Lewis Bonds from London, and well, the England area, and then Thomas Hurt as well. You know these guys on Twitter. And so I thought it would be fun to get the three of them together and just kind of talk some Chargers football. And the first question, I'm going to start off with Andrew. Uh, how you became a Chargers fan, and, and what is the football scene like over there in, in Ireland? Uh, the football scene is, is pretty much like the social scene in that it kind of navigates around pubs and bars. Um, and people generally on a Sunday over here go to uh, to a bar for a couple of beers before the week starts, and they'll watch they'll watch Red Zone and then they'll watch the main game prime time uh, together. But um, originally, I became a Chargers fan due to a highlights package that was aired, I believe, on. Channel 4, which is a British TV channel. I think that was on a Monday night. and I might have been about seven or eight years old. And I was obsessed with these blue and yellow jerseys I could see. And funnily enough, as it happened, 
there was I think there was LT and there was Isaac Bruce at the time. And I didn't quite know who I preferred between the Chargers and the Rams. And that my whole life has just gone completely full circle there in the stadium share. But uh, yeah. I eventually went with LT because I thought he was a bit faster, which obviously as an eight-year-old, you're completely amazed by this. <laughs> you know, especially when you consider the soccer players at, at that time probably weren't as fast as they were now either. So this was a whole new world to me. Um, and it, it just kind of grew from there. I, I find it very hard to engage in a sport without having a team. I've never been able to just watch a sport objectively. Right. Um, and I right. through the Chargers link, I took up the Padres as well. So I watch quite a bit of baseball now. So my time and obviously my full-time job is in sports analytics with a company called Opta. The guys probably know him from England. Um, so I'm doing a, a lot of stuff there um, constantly with sport. And normally in my, my downtime, I watch the Chargers lose uh, by a single score. <laughs> oh, we've had some good years. <laughs> it could always be worse, guys. I mean, we could be fans of the Jaguars or like the Browns, so it could always be worse. Uh, Lewis, same question to you. Uh, how did you become a Chargers fan, and what is football like over there where you live? So, becoming a Chargers fan, it, it's quite a funny story to start. Was I had a friend at school, one of my best friends, whose older brother had gone to America and he'd come back, and he was a Patriots fan, so got my mate into it, who then became a Chargers fan and told me, oh, nice. just the NFL website, they've got this cool little thing where you do like three mini games and it outputs three teams. Yeah. That, that It has no effect on how you do in this mini game. I'm pretty sure it was just like, do something fun and you'll get, you know, whatever team. I remember thinking, oh, you know, I'd love to be Chargers like him so then we can, you know, hang out and watch games together. I was like, oh, but I'll do this anyway. I ended up getting the Chargers twice and then the Bills once. And I was like, and now, like, thank God. You know, <laughs> like, I know the Chargers have some rough shears, but uh, the Bills as well. Yeah, um, for sure. And then with the scene over here, it's, it's not too big, but I see it getting bigger. As I go out, even just like walking out and about, I see random people wearing, you know, little bits of merch and stuff. Um, there's plenty of like teams that are starting up around me. Um, and when I went to university, it, it got a lot bigger. There's a lot more of a kind of social aspect of it, like everyone going down to the pub on a Sunday and watching the games. Yeah. I think fantasy is like the biggest way to kind of get people in the UK involved. And that's what a lot of my friends who weren't interested and now I got them into fantasy football and all of a sudden now they're just crazy. Fantasy football is a drug, man. It gets so yeah. insane. Uh, this last season with Volpe, I actually joined up for my fifth league. And so it was, <laughs> it was nuts. And I don't, I don't think I'm going to do five leagues again this year. It was too much, too much time. Yeah. Uh, it was. So Thomas, how did you become a Chargers fan? And, and what are you kind of seeing the, the growth of the sport over there? So I, um, my first experience of NFL was the Saints-Chargers game at Wembley in 2008. Oh, okay. Um, so I was about 11, 12 years old then. Um, so I kind of came out of it thinking, I'm going to support one of these two teams. And usually when you're that age, you go for the winner. Um, yeah. The winner on that day was the Saints. Um, but for some reason, I, I just really liked the Chargers. I don't know whether it was the uniforms or LT and Rivers and Weddell and all those guys that, at, at that point. I kind of just sort of took the next couple of years to kind of learn the game and, and, and the charges kind of stuck, really. 
Very cool. So, so what are games like over there at Wembley Stadium? And they have the other one now. Uh, what are the games like over there? Yeah, so it's, it's still re- – I went to quite a few of them early on. I don't go to as many of them now. But it's still weird, like, sort of approaching Wembley and just seeing, like, every single jersey. Like, right. All two teams represented, um, which is so cool, really. Like, the, the colours and everything and the, the jerseys really stand out. But the, the games, are, I mean, it's it's sport, isn't it? You could get a terrible game, even if you've got two good teams playing, and you could get a really good game um, it, if you've got uh, two bad teams playing. So is it, recently, they've, be, they've been okay. The atmosphere is pretty decent at them. Um, but they've had some whitewashes as well. I remember, the, I think it was the Patriots being the Rams, something like 51-7 or something oh, like that. The crowd can get bored pretty easily at those odds. Lewis, have you been into to any other games over there recently? Yeah, so I've been to probably six in the past like four or five years. Uh, I went to the Chargers Titans game, which was the, the most stressful game ever. And it was just, it was too much, you know. <laughs> well, I got so excited there because it, was, it wasn't it the first time Mario's got picked off in the red zone during that game and I was like yeah. oh my god we're gonna go win this and then we just started blowing it it was like <laughs> what's gonna happen now but that, that was an amazing game I saw saying yeah I saw the Eagles play as well my brother's a massive Eagles fan so but honestly the Wembley atmosphere is like it, it is buzzing because everyone knows it's a really like special occasion because when else can you really get to see uh, NFL teams play but at the same time it is a bit sad in the sense that you don't have just like a whole load of home supporters and then a whole load yeah. of supporters. So it's not like you're not getting any atmosphere based off the teams. It's more just if it's a good game. Yeah, those games against the Titans are always stressful, unfortunately. <laughs> but Philip, Philip always knew how to win. Yeah. Against them. I don't know what he had against them, but... <laughs> For sure. Andrew, have you been to any games down there in London? Yeah, I went to the Titans game as well. And it was funny because we pretty much had to make a decision. Our flight back to Dublin was, we were on the edge of making it or not. And if the game went to overtime, we wouldn't have made it. Yeah. So I saw, I saw them going for two and I went, yeah. Oh. I, wasn't, I wasn't quite sure whether I wanted that or not. Because I'd, I'd have fancied us to have won the game in overtime. But I, I wasn't particularly sure. But here's the fun part of that season. I went to two games that year. I went to the Titans in Wembley, but it was in Arrowhead Stadium as well. And oh, both, of those, oh. both of those games ended in, in two-point conversions in the favor of the Chargers. So, Andrew, we got to get you to come into Los Angeles, man. We got to get that good luck rubbing <laughs> off on the Chargers a little bit more often. I, I couldn't believe it. One of, yeah. my, one of my best friends is uh, he's a Chiefs season ticket holder for a couple of decades. And um, I met him, obviously, through work because our headquarters are based in Chicago. And uh, he brought me over, showed me Kansas City, ate some uh, really good barbecue, and then we went to Arrowhead. And uh, I, I did not, um, I did not get quiet towards the end. I put it that way. I, I was fairly vocal uh, <laughs> when, when, when the pick worked and Williams is wide open. I'm kind of like, I think we have this. And yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the walk back to the tailgate. I think everyone was pretty quiet except me. And uh, I think they knew somehow <laughs> this guy is after traveling seven thousand miles to come to Kansas City, Missouri in winter from Ireland so uh, that was a pretty dramatic year for me <laughs> so I think it's safe to say that that would have been your favorite game you've ever been to maybe 
yeah. <laughs> Anyone has ever been to, but yeah. 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 Lewis, do you have a favorite Chargers game over the years? Favorite Chargers game over the years? Um, I, one that really sticks out in recent memory was that game against Pittsburgh that we won the same year as the Kansas City one. Yeah. I think it was like Derwin James really like showing off in that game. And then that Desmond King return just like, I just remember the hype of all that. That entire season just felt like everything was going right and right. we were going the whole way. I just remember thinking at that point, it's like, oh my God, this could actually happen, even though so many times in the past, you know, we've been the best offense and defense and not made playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we've had everything against us. And yeah, I'd say that's, that's probably the best game that I can remember recently. Yeah, I think we all have fond memories of like what the Chargers were when we were kids and and growing up and yeah. but man that 2018 season was was the most fun I've ever had as a Chargers fan and and I when they like, when the bracket came out and they were like, you know, that has to go through New England, I was like this is the year. This is like the Chargers are going to do it. Like <laughs> it this is it. it's <laughs> destiny. Like it's going to happen and then unfortunately Tom Brady is Tom Brady and Bill Belichick just, yeah. you know, has had to break our hearts again like he always does yeah so thomas do you have a favorite game from over the years yeah well the, the first one that comes to mind for me is, is that season is the baltimore playoff game that was right. a I, I was i was in a bar in london with some of the guys and i'd had too much alcohol and that was a, that was a great <laughs> game um and and also one that one that comes to mind is uh a few years ago um the Seahawks game, I think it was in San Diego still when Gates scored three touchdowns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was an awesome game. Yeah. That was a brilliant game. Yeah, we had this conversation on, on the podcast, and that was the one that Tyler brought up because he was there, and, and that was definitely a, a really fun game. Uh, so I do want to ask you guys who, if you had to pick, like, your top five favorite Chargers, it doesn't have to be, like, the best five. Like, I'm not going to ask you to put Lance Allworth or, or whatever. Just, like – some five charters that you, for whatever reason, just really, really enjoyed rooting for. Uh, so, Lewis, we'll start with you on that question. Your top five favorite charters. God, it's, it's a tough question. Obviously, Phil is is number one. Right. It's, it got me into the game. You know, watched him for so many years, and like lots of heartbreak, but so many good times for them. For sure, it's was someone that you know, even when. He came back the other season, and he would he didn't look like a football player anymore. He still, you know, is making big, yeah. doing big things, and I think everyone was just so excited every time he was on the field. Um, I'll tell you, Eckler has just been the guy that everyone just roots for now. Yeah, a free agent, worked his way to the team. You know, I see the interviews of him kind of saying that. Phil only knew him by his number at the start and then he somehow managed to get himself on right. to, uh just hard not to root for him. I'd say Casey Hayward, maybe number four. Uh just because I mean a lot of these players are the ones that I've watched because I came and found him probably about two thousand nine, two thousand ten. So it's like a lot of the people that I've seen over, you know, a decent amount of time. Yeah. Uh, and then Lastly, I'll say it's a recent thing, and it's, it's every Charger fan on Twitter, I'm seeing it, Drew Tranquil. That man, 
know what it is. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? He only made a couple of plays last year, but there's just something about him. Everyone loves him. That's Love true. Him. It's true. Everyone likes, everyone's all on the tranquil train. So for those of us who are not watching this, because this is going to be a podcast episode, Lewis is actually wearing his Austin Eckler jersey. So very <laughs> fitting that he's in the top five. Uh, Andrew, your top five favorite Chargers. Uh, so I anticipated that people might go with the, the favorites. I didn't want to repeat everything. So I decided to set myself the task of naming my five favorite Chargers never to make a Pro Bowl. Okay. Um, so <laughs> when, I, when I first started out, which is most of them, uh, when I first started out, Eric Parker was the receiver I loved. And I can't tell you why, because nobody else ever loved him. Uh, but he was just <laughs> that, that one player that I thought, this fellow's pretty good. Because he, he, he sees in his first year, he about 800 yards, and he got a big contract extension. Right. And from there, it never quite worked out. I think he was injured, and didn't he have that punt fumble as well in the playoffs a few years later? Um, Eric Parker was one when it started out. Jared Johnson, because Jared Johnson was that edge kind of linebacker hybrid that had a bit of toughness from Baltimore. And Baltimore have always been that quintessential in-your-face kind of tough edge defense. Um, Eddie Royal was a player that came along. I started to love too. He made so many big plays. And he was probably, I think, over time, Wisenhunt used that screen a lot to Gates in the red zone where uh, it was kind of a, a fake handoff and then it would be a quick screen to the Gates for a two-yard touchdown. They originally did that with Eddie Royal early on. I think they did it against Chicago and he went for maybe a 50-yard touchdown, if I recall that correctly. So Eddie would have been there. Our third string tight end for a couple of years was John Phillips. Uh, don't ask me why I like John Phillips. Um, <laughs> got one touchdown pass once and we didn't really use a whole lot of treatment in the long he might have played about 200 in his life, but I seem to love him, and I couldn't tell you why. He's a really underrated blocker, actually. And we generally, over time, and I think this trend has kind of evolved in the NFL, three tight, three tight end sets have become quite popular again. Um, right. Because of right. the unpredictability in first down, if you're passing the ball in first down, I know Brett Coleman and Warren Sharp do an awful lot of this um, in like analytics and stuff, and obviously my company are involved in it too. John Phillips was one. And then almost like a carbon copy of Eddie Royal with Stevie Johnson. Yeah. Um, man, that guy was a playmaker. And I didn't, I couldn't quite understand why it never worked out, but he had a couple of injuries too. Um, but yeah, there, there is the most average list of Los Angeles <laughs> slash uh, San Diego charges you'll ever hear in a list of your five favorite players. Oh man, I love that. I, I like that you pushed yourself to, to come up with a more creative list. I love that. I didn't want to say, I didn't want Phil to come up three times, even though he deserves it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Thomas, uh, round us off with this question. Your top five favorite Chargers. So I'm going to uh, obviously go Phil number one, and then I'll probably go a bit left field. I loved watching Darren Sproles. Yeah. Um, Great show. Great show. Um, he was just awesome to watch. Uh, three, I'll go uh, Weddle, even though the way it ended kind of a bit sour. Yeah. But people don't like him for, but, you know. But he was great. He was great to watch on defense. He could do everything. Um, what's that? Three. Uh, go with another kind of running running back, fullback type, Mike Tolbert. Okay. Let's <laughs> wow. go. I love Big Tolbert. <laughs> you know, he's a big boy carrying the ball, so that was quite fun. And I'll go with... Um, I go with Malcolm Floyd. Um, kind of just a big typical Phil receiver. Yeah. Like he was undrafted, wasn't he? Um and he was just awesome to watch with with deep deep catches down the field. So that was that was fun to watch. 
Yeah, you know, you mentioned Malcolm Floyd, and him and Mike Williams are kind of in that same yeah. level of receiver where they just – you know that they're going to come out and they're going to give their body and they're going to lay it all on the line, and it's going to be some some crazy catches and a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So the last question here, you know, this is going to be kind of an open discussion. You guys can kind of – I'm not going to call on you like I have been, but, you know, last season there were a bunch of, you know – fake fans or San Diego Salties or whatever you want to call them that were like, Oh, the Chargers should move to London. And obviously the Jaguars, the other owner is from England. And, you know, there's been some rumors of them potentially moving over there. Do you guys believe that the NFL could be supported in London and how would you see that working? Or is it just, would it just be something that would be set up to fail? I think one thing that I would say is I don't doubt they would firstly be able to sell out the tickets every single week. I don't think that would be the problem. I think it would be well supported. People would love it. But I think the problem with it would be it would be sold out not necessarily by the fans of that team. I think I think it would be much, you know, it's just any fan of the NFL, that's their only opportunity to watch it over here. So they'll just find any way to get there. And I don't think it might not be that much. I could be completely wrong. I still think it would be sustainable, but I just think there would be that worry of it's just going to be a load of people like it currently is just from every single team just going to watch football, which isn't a bad thing. You don't get that kind of like home team atmosphere because I know personally I wouldn't change over to that team, you know, because I've gone with the charge and I'm never going to change no matter how much I want to sometimes. Right. Uh, but I do think that if they did come over, I would probably get a season ticket no matter what the team was, really, just so I could see some, you know, 16 games or well, eight games of football. It'd be worth it every time. I think the problem you might face is that it's exceptionally tribal in, in England and there's so many Patriots fans and Steelers fans and Packers fans and all it takes is one playoff win for the London team to beat their team and all of a sudden they'll never go near Wembley Stadium again. And, <laughs> and it, it's just one of those things that people talk about. And, and it, you know, it, it sounds great in theory, and then it happens. And you will, it'll be tourists going to games. And I don't even mean that in a passive way, as in tourists from other countries. But I mean people who have a passing interest in the sport, who will just pop along because it's something to do. And I worry about the longevity of that. I think in the short term, it'll be great. Logistically, I'm not quite sure how they'd work it. But then again, you can have a – how long is a flight from, from San Diego to New England? I mean, it's, it's probably the same as Miami flying to London, is it? Yeah, Miami to London, I think, is eight hours. So, yeah. so, so I mean, I, I don't think it's – I don't think there's a ton. I think if you left early in the week, I don't think it will massively impact you. I, ju- I just don't believe there would be that core support that you get. And I think that would probably be one of the biggest problems. However, I do know that gate receipts only responsible for about 15% of your overall income as a team. Uh, so I, I, I don't know how much that would play into it either. I just don't think at the start you'd get a ton of support for the team. And potentially if, if they were going 4-12, and 5-11 and 11 every year, because, you know, people aren't used to, I suppose, the salary cap dictating that teams will eventually come good, unless you're Jacksonville. Then, <laughs> <laughs> then eventually... This happens to dirty. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just so sick of this and people won't go and they'll just be they won't understand that it, this team could be good in five years if I could support behind it. I get that. 
Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen now. I think the NFL has got so much bigger in in like Britain and Europe over the last kind of 12, 13 years with the games obviously over here. And all those new fans have already got teams. They've already picked their teams, whether that's like whatever it is, Chargers or whatever. Um, so I, I think they'll be able to sell out the games, like eight games easily will sell out. But I just don't think there will be that home support there. And also I think you have an issue... Like when it comes to like free agency, you've got to try and persuade these guys to come and play, play in London when they just yeah. might not. I know, I know they'll get the money, obviously, but I just don't think. And being in Wisconsin, <laughs> <laughs> I love all the subtle jabs at the Jaguars in Wisconsin, man. I love it. So I've had this idea a couple of times. Like, what if the NFL? You know, let's say they move the Jaguars over there, and then. Maybe they expand. Maybe they put a team in like Portland and then maybe put, they put a second team, a second expansion team in London. Do you think that would change people's idea? Because you guys all said mm. that people already have their teams, but what if like a brand new team, clean slate got put into London? How do you think that would go over? I mean, I think it'd be interesting. I, I still think it would probably end up with the same problems, but if it, if it became more of a thing where, because there's a massive NFL scene in, you know, Ireland and in Germany. You know, if there was more of a rivalry kind of closer, then it would be a possibility. But I see, I just, I just can't see an opportunity where, unless it was, you know, the Khans moving over here. And it wouldn't surprise me because of all the, you know, Tottenham Stadium that got built is just ridiculous. That stadium's... Yeah. And the other um, last year to watch football game, that was just... Unbelievable stadium, but I just I, I don't know. I just don't think I, I do honestly feel is that though a lot of the people from the UK when they choose an NFL team, they're going to choose the team that's at the top. And I've noticed that with my friends, and I, I don't ever let them choose the Patriots, but <laughs> always find the next team to do. Like one of my friends has just become a Kansas City fan, and I was just oh. like, I'm trying. You know, you can't you can't be a post Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, city fan. It's just not a thing. Yeah, I think um, it's it's difficult in a way to to say that a new team in London could possibly develop this new identity and all of a sudden be this force in the NFL. And because of the salary cap, obviously that can happen. I just I don't think people can fully can fully connect with an identity. I don't think you can say, oh, historically this this happened, so you can talk about it with your friends. It, it, in one way, it's great because you're there from the very first game and you could potentially in 10 years say you've been to every single game the franchise has had, which is nice. But I don't think at the start, you're going to have a group of people come together and support a new franchise. And another reason why I'd say that is because while the NFL is obviously expanding in popularity, the social demographic of it is still quite niche. And I think people like that because everyone is still watching Man United and they're watching Liverpool and Chelsea and all this. You take a small bit of pride in knowing more about the NFL than your average person. And I think if you take that away and then add a London team, it becomes something else that's on London, whereas where it's solely based in the US, you have an interest in the US sport. And I, I think that's a large part of people's identity and their psyche with this. That's a good point. I think um, if you started doing like eight games over here, like it's quite expensive to go to those Wembley games now. And if you're going to ask like 
a, a fan of like Kansas City, would you rather spend eight games on a season ticket here in London or would you rather save that money and just go to Kansas City and watch your own team? I'm pretty sure they're going to say, just save your money and go watch Kansas City. Um, so I think that would be an issue. And also, I think they might do something like they used to do with the kind of NFL Europe. If they made it into like a developmental league, like you, uh, I can't remember which one, one of you said that Germany's massive in NFL. Mm-hmm. If you created like a, a league like that, one team, a couple of teams in Germany, a couple of teams in England, maybe Italy as well. Um, I think that might be able to work, but I'm not sure uh, a, a team over here would work professionally. That'd be really interesting to have like the you know mm. XFL was really popular for a second. Yeah, you could get like an XFL US and like XFL Europe. That'd be pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I'm gonna say is they the San Diegans complained about a ninety minute move. <laughs> I'm not sure a nine hour flight is gonna uh, go down that smoothly. Oh, that's why I'd, I'd I'd hate to see one of the teams get moved just because you know, it's, I, I really, you know, felt bad for all the people in San Diego that I know it only moved, you know, a bit, but it was, you know, quite horrible how it all came about. Yeah. And I can't imagine if you're from Jacksonville or from, you know, become a new fan in LA and then your team moves literally 13 hours away. It's just, I don't think it's really fun. Yeah, that would it's be tough for big. sure. It's not part of the culture in, in Britain and in Europe to have a franchise move. It happened once with a football club in England. Uh, Wimbledon became MK Dons. So they went from the middle of London to Milton Keynes and everyone hates that football club. Everyone <laughs> hates it. So they're, they're nothing. And it just I don't think that resonates with people. I completely understand it because I've been watching the sport for 15 years. It's nearly 20 years actually. But it, it just doesn't translate to the audiences over here. We don't understand it because they're community assets. And given that the NFL love to put out PR constantly about the players in the community, to be able to just jump ship like that is, is, is just it's unthinkable for people over here. So. That's a good perspective. And I, you know, the move, I, I grew up in Utah, so I didn't like feel it as bad, but it definitely was, was just kind of weird when they were like talking about you know moving the stadium or then moving to LA or moving to Las Vegas was mentioned. So it was definitely a weird process. And I'm, you know, obviously selfishly right now that I live in California, I'm excited that I only have to drive three hours instead of five to go to a game. But, you know, I, I do still wish that they were in San Diego with the, with the full fan base behind them. I think it's a bit of a weird situation, but you know, we'll kind of wrap this discussion up. This has been a lot of a lot of fun stuff. What are your guys' expectations? Uh, what are your feelings for this upcoming 2020 season? Uh, I, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I don't think I don't think Herbert takes a snap. First of all, I just I don't see it, um, and I'm fine with that. It's worked for many quarterbacks in the past. You know, if you're out of playoff contention, maybe he plays in week 17, maybe, but. I don't think there's a need to do it. Um, it's it's weird. And the problem with this year is because there's an awful lot of big extensions coming up and new deals right. that have to be negotiated. Um, it feels like this year, if you had a quarterback in place, would be the year to throw everything at it. But unfortunately, you've got a rookie and you've got, well, for less of a bridge quarterback, who may prove us all wrong and, and lead us to 13-3 and three in a Super Bowl. But until that happens, um, it doesn't look like a situation where you can go and win one now. And everything from a front office perspective actually ties us up to thinking this is a year you can run it, but you can't. Um, 
and my, if actually if I could go back and say my favorite charger of all time is actually probably Tom Telesco. Um, but I just this year is strange. It depends on what Gus Bradley does and, and how much he changes from playing cover three every single snap. Um, and if he decides to go into more cover two looks, some more man and more blitz packages, then, then great because not everyone is just throwing a, a five yard out again. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it becomes less predictable. I think if we do that, we're guaranteed to win eight games because the schedule again is relatively soft. And from there, it, it's down to Tyrod and the turnovers. And this is why I like Tyrod because he doesn't control them. Yeah, I, I think it's really difficult to predict this shit because the Chargers go to a lot of tough places. So they go to Kansas, obviously. They go to Vegas will be a tough, tough place to go. Denver, they have to go to New Orleans. And if no fans are allowed in the stadium, those games become easier. You then suddenly don't have to go to the Dome with how many people there are in that stadium cheering against you, which I think will help the Chargers if there are no fans or limited fans in the stadium. In terms of a game-per-game basis, I think that uh, it gives them an advantage there. Um, but yeah, I, I think I agree with you, Andrew. I don't think Herbert will take a snap this, this year unless an injury to Tyrod or or we like start the season two and six or something like, something like that, which hopefully won't happen. But I, I don't think we'll make the playoffs, but I, I just think it'll be a, a, an average year, really. Um, what, what I would say is I'm excited because I think we've had the best off-season I've ever seen us have in terms of the line, the line. I mean, I think Linval Joseph has got to be one of the most underrated signings. It's just completely under the radar. I haven't seen any analysts talk about him or anything. That that difference, you know, that upgrade. I mean, Justin Jones is great, but that upgrade at that level and just the depth that we've got now there is just going to improve our defense so much. And you know, in the back, we're all good. We always have been. Um, so the way I see it is, I think it's going to be a great year. I think whether it's Tarad or Herbert comes in a bit later because everyone said it about when uh, Taylor was at um, Cleveland. Everyone said Baker Mayfield's not going to take a snap this year, and that did not last very long. No. So, just don't know with these things. I, personally, I remember watching before we drafted Herbert, and initially I was really, you know, against it from what I'd seen. I hadn't seen that much, but I just assumed, you know, it wasn't good. But then I really sat down and watched the tape, uh, compared it to the others, and to be honest, I think you know he's got the potential to be a superstar. It depends how. You know, our coaches deal with him. There's so many factors, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him on the field this year. But I think even if it is Taylor the whole way, I think we're making playoffs. And I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm ready to ready for us to show what we can do. At the end of the day, we've got more receivers. I'm really interested to see what Joe Reed and um, KJ Hill bring. You know, we haven't had that third receiver in so long. Healthy Hunt Henry. Good O-line. I, I just can't complain. I want us to go all the way. Whether it's Taylor or Herbert, I don't care. There we go. There we go. Yeah, this was, this was a great discussion. And, you know, I'm personally pretty excited about this season and you know, I'm hoping for the best. You know, I actually haven't thought of that point that Thomas brought up of you know, no fans potentially being an advantage for the Chargers uh, because of the road situation. is pretty tough this year. So I thank you guys so much. Uh, this has been a great discussion. Hopefully our listeners are, are really enjoying this, this episode that we'll put out. Um, just 
where can Chargers fans follow you guys? Uh, okay. <laughs> Twitter is probably the best one. If you if you want to tweet out our handles, you can do that. I'm at Kaneen92. Okay, Thomas. <laughs> uh, my Twitter handle is charges underscore UK. Also, we have a Facebook group, which is, uh, I, this is a bad plug. I think it's called UK Charges Fan Group. Um, but everyone, everyone's welcome in that. So there's a good good bunch of guys in there. So. Awesome, awesome. You can get me on Twitter, at British Bolt. Uh, we'll see lots of potentially bad opinions, but some good. <laughs> there we go. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Stay safe and stay healthy. Thanks for having us. You too.